Today's episode is brought to you by the U.S. Bank Altitude Go Visa Signature Card. To learn more, visit usbank.com slash altitude go. As a traveler, it's a fact you're going to need to manage your spending in different currencies. You need a service that not only helps you send, spend, and receive in different currencies fast, but also does it without the hidden fees or exchange rate markups. This is where WISE comes in. WISE is the easiest way to connect all of your finances internationally. I've been a customer for over a decade. It's been a lifesaver for me as a traveler, a nomad, and now a permanent resident abroad. If you're a traveler who's still using your regular bank, you need to check this out. Join 16 million customers and learn how the WISE account could work for you by downloading the app or visiting wise.com slash travel. That's wise.com slash travel. Thank you to WISE for supporting today's show. This episode of Zero to Travels brought to you by the 2024 Nissan Pathfinder with seven drive modes. The Pathfinder's available intelligent 4x4 is built for even the most epic journeys. Learn more at NissanUSA.com. Whatever you choose as kind of your business or whatever you hang your shingle up as doesn't have to be your forever thing. A lot of people, they strive to work towards financial independence where they save more money to where they can essentially retire early and have even more time freedom. So if something that you're good at and you somewhat like to do is kind of low-hanging fruit, maybe consider pursuing that for now to kind of get in a financial spot to then make even more decisions in the future and have more optionality. That was Kristen Metter, today's guest, who is a certified public accountant and fellow travel junkie. She runs travelingcpachick.com. She's actually my personal accountant and tax advisor. She is smart. She is sweet. She is kind. And she is very savvy financially. And that's why I wanted to bring her on to have her share some financial and tax advice around balancing travel with your financial health. As more of us work remotely, start roaming around, we don't want our financial lives to get away from us while we are on the road. So I asked Kristen to come on and share five expert tips. There's some awesome sound advice in here and core concepts that are going to help you balance saving, balance being financially responsible, but still able to have those travel experiences you want to have, which is no small task all the time. Some of the things we get into, pros and cons surrounding the FIRE movement, financial independence, retire early, uh, advice on how to further your financial journey while you're traveling so you don't come back broke, how to find that balance between saving and investing and investing in experiences, why determining and knowing your core values can help you make difficult financial situations, and so much more. Plus, in this show, I've got a quote to wrap it up that's from a listener. I want to give her a shout out because she is staying in an off-the-grid, what sounds like a very interesting spot in Europe, so we'll get into all that. And, you know, self-care. We all know it's important but we've got so much to do, don't you? Sometimes you ever just feel like you don't have enough time for self-care? Well, you're not alone. I'm right there with you. I'm going to share why I've been getting it all wrong lately and how I've sort of reframed this to right the ship. And maybe if you've had some similar struggles around finding time for self-care, some of this stuff will resonate with you. So all of that packed in today's show and much more. It's happening right now. So buckle up, strap in, thanks for being here, and welcome to the Zero to Travel podcast, my friend. 
You're listening to the Zero to Travel podcast, where we explore exciting travel-based work, lifestyle, and business opportunities, helping you to achieve your wildest travel dreams. And now your host, world wanderer and travel junkie, Jason Moore. Hello, it's Jason with ZeroToTravel.com. Welcome to the show, my friend. Thanks for being here, hanging out, letting me bring a little travel into your ears today. This is the show to help you travel the world on your terms to fill your life with as much travel as you desire, no matter what your situation or experience. We've got an important topic today, financial health, travel. It's always a tough battle between the finances and and the traveling and it's life. But I mean, to travel, you certainly don't have to have your financial house in order, (laughs) but it can help quite a lot when it comes to the trip itself, budgeting, all the prehand stuff, being on the trip, and then also coming back. Let's say you take off, like a lot of people in, in this listening audience do, you take off for months or years at a time. You know, you decide at some point you want to settle down, maybe live somewhere for a little while. Crazy, right? <laughs> what do you do? How do you kind of plan for that? And how do you prepare yourself for that? There are a lot of questions around finances and travel. And that's why I'm so excited to have on today's guest. You know, after getting burnt out from a stressful job with a big four accounting firm, Kristen, our guest, decided to sell everything, leave her job, and hit the road. After about a year abroad, she realized she could use her accounting skills and love of finances to help others who were on similar journeys to her. So she started Gradient Accounting that's her firm. And then from there, she launched TravelingCPAChick.com. We'll link to all this in the show notes. That's a sister brand focused on serving location-independent freelancers and business owners who are in the first couple years of business. She also has a YouTube channel I subscribe to that she just started, so I can link to that as well. You know, these big four accounting firms, they don't hire slackers. They don't hire people that don't know what they're doing. Kristen Smart, and these tips are outstanding. I'm really excited to have her on the show to share them with you today. I certainly got a lot of value out of this conversation, and I hope you do as well. Now, she comes from Tennessee, is actually based in Knoxville, Tennessee right now, and I just found out a very interesting fact about Tennessee that I did not know, even though I am an audio and radio buff in some ways. I love audio. Obviously, I have a podcast and I've always loved audio and music and uh, audio books and all that type of stuff. And this was something that surprised me. I didn't know this fact. Okay, you may have heard of the Grand Ole Opry. It's a country music mecca, if you will. It's a venue, but it's also a radio show. And did you know that it is the world's oldest radio show for any genre. It's the longest running radio show in the world for any genre. Pretty amazing. I saw Willie Nelson, Ray Price, and Merle Haggard there. Had to scalp a ticket outside, but got in. Pretty epic to see those three and see Willie Nelson, one of my musical heroes, in person at the Grand Ole Opry. I'll never forget that. Some of those travel experiences are just sticky. They stick with you. I'm wondering, what is one of your unforgettable travel experiences? You can always get in touch 
and let me know. Maybe I'll share it on the pod. Leave me a voicemail, click on the link in the show notes, or drop me a line, jason at zero to travel.com is my email address. Stick around on the back end of this interview. I do want to give a shout out to a listener who is off the grid in Europe. Well, I guess she's on the grid enough to send an email, but still pretty cool. And she left a quote for me at the bottom of the email that I was really digging, and I thought I would share that quote in this episode. And this got me thinking, it's another way to get in touch if you maybe want to provide the quote. You know, I always leave each episode uh, with a quote at the end to send you off on your day, night, whatever. And maybe you want to provide it. Drop me a line. I'd love to hear your favorite quote. I try to crowdsource as much of this as possible. (laughs) Guest recommendations, quotes, stories, come on, send them my way. Get in touch. Also on the back end, I'll share a little bit about how you can make more time for self-care. Oh, it's a buzzy word, self-care. It means a lot of different things to a lot of people. You might hate it. You might love it. Oh, self-care. But it is important, really, when it comes down to it. Yet, we're all so busy. Who has time for self-care? I had to reframe this a little bit myself personally, so I thought I would just share the conclusion I came to around this topic in case it was helpful to you. And you'll hear that on the other side of the interview. For now, please enjoy my conversation with the wonderful Kristen Metter, and I will see you on the other side. I'm so excited to welcome my friend, Kristen Metter to the Zero to Travel podcast. How you doing, Kristen? I'm doing great. Thank you for having me, Jason. Long time listener, first time on a podcast. First so time looking podcast. forward to it. Yes. Yeah, <laughs> I know. Well, you told me this was going to be your first podcast and I was like, yes, I was doing, I'm doing the fist pump, like bring your elbow in fist pump thing. <laughs> I have to describe it because this is audio, but uh, yes. well, it's always exciting and you've been a huge part of my journey, I just have to let everybody know and be totally transparent that you're sort of like my financial mentor. Whether you know it or not, I don't know, but you've taught me so much and you've helped me in so many different ways, uh, sift through some of the expat issues with taxes and things like that, and then also the company stuff. So anyway, I just wanted to acknowledge that and say thank you. I really appreciate those kind words, Jason, and thank you for the privilege of kind of partnering with you on your journey. You're super financially literate anyway, so you've been just a joy to work with. Oh, please, um, no, stop. So. Everybody knows you're you're just pulling my chain here. No. No, it's um, not true, guys. He's good. <laughs> no, so I, you know, but I was excited about this because you have a whole sort of background in travel and and you are a world travel enthusiast but more than that you you get out and do a lot of traveling and this is a huge part of what led you to where you are today and it sounded like I know our last conversation we were kind of talking a bit about the show and you mentioned like buying a plane ticket in like 5 minutes and changing your life forever so that is something I I want to get to like that moment but first I just kind of want to ask you about growing up in Tennessee yeah. What's well, I, I'm a Southern girl at heart, um, but my parents are both New Yorkers. Oh, really? They're from kind of the Hudson River Valley area. So I grew up spending my summers there. 
And that's really when the travel bug bit me because we would take these 16 hour road trips and pass through, you know, seven different states. And I was just in awe and just couldn't wait till I could get out on my own and travel and continue to foster what I knew from a young age I loved so much, even though we never traveled internationally. It was just something that was a part of my personality, I think. Which town were they from or which towns? They are from two different towns. Um, One is a little village called Athens, and they call it a village. It is so cute. It looks like the Gilmore Girls mixed with Hallmark movie. I just love it. And then my father is from Wyndham Mountain, which is a ski resort town. Um, so, So, yeah, it's interesting. And they're both, you know, two hours from New York City, but really just a world away. So we would go spend time in these really small um rural towns and then take the train to New York City, which was just so thrilling as as a kid, as I'm sure you can imagine. Yeah. Aren't there a lot of cute towns around there? I feel like that's It is a, so cute. Yes. Yeah. That whole area is really up and coming now. Um, one big hot spot is Hudson, which is, again, a quick train ride from New York City, and they have great antique shopping, and it's just a super cute little town, a lot of older homes that have been remodeled. So if you haven't been to that area, I definitely recommend it. Yeah, because a buddy of mine I've known for years, he bought a like an old farm and is rehabbing it. And I feel like you know, he had the type of job, like I used to work in the events industry where, you know, you had to be in an office and, and this kind of like, I guess, says a lot about the the state of the world today, right? Like even, even those types of jobs have gone remote now or remote enough where somebody who's been living in New York City for their whole life can now move out to the, this Hudson River Valley area and still have their corporate career. It's crazy. Yes. And they're doing so in droves, which I think is so cool to be able to have that balance to your life um, and have that optionality that just wasn't a choice before. Have you ever thought about living up there again? Did you have that kind of connection or were you more, are you more connected to like the, the road trip part in between the two places? So after college, I wanted to live in that area. So I moved up to Boston And um, so I was three hours drive from that area. Um, I'm a city girl, so I loved living in a bigger city, but um, I couldn't do the winters. And I know, Jason, you're probably going to laugh at me being and now Norwegian, but um, it was too brutal to handle. Um, And I found that, you know, my life in January, February was just like sad. Um, I was inside a lot and I love being outdoors and I wasn't into any winter sports or I didn't really like the snow. So, um, so yeah, didn't figure it out real quick that that wasn't for me. We'll always go and visit during the summer and I make it a point to go once a year, but um, not for me. Right. And I mean, I guess that makes sense thinking about, I know, I believe your last trip was over to Europe to Spain, right? So you're, you're chasing the warm weather mostly when you travel. Yes. (laughs) Yes. And more so my husband, he's like, if I could just never do a winter again, that is my dream. I would be more than happy. I like some seasons, but I like very mild seasons. So Spain is like the perfect place. We we love Spain and hopefully one day um, are interested in buying property there. So that's a big audacious goal for us. Yeah. Maybe I got to get somebody on the show to teach us to buy how to buy property. Yeah. We need that. Where did you guys meet? You and your husband? 
we met in college in a in like an honors class, like the typical kind of nerdy story. But honestly, we really hit it off at the bar. Um, so, you know, <laughs> not too nerdy, I promise. Um, but yeah, and then um, we've we kind of dated for seven or eight years and then got married a couple years ago during the heat of COVID. So that was a fun adventure, but he's a, a really good travel buddy for me. Um, we love to travel together, but we also still make it a point to travel solo. I think that's really important and we both love our alone time. So it works really well for us. Did you guys talk about that before you got married? We did. We we definitely laid it out. Um, and we've even more formalized it now. Like now we kind of have a, a setup where we do two to three months abroad together a year. And then we each take two solo trips a year. Wow. So okay. that's that's kind of our uh, our deal with each other. And then obviously that can can vary just depending on what's going on in a given year. But um, yeah, we're both we're both travelers at heart. You never know how you're going to evolve as an individual or how your partner might as well. But I do think it's it's kind of worth visiting that if you're somebody who loves travel and values travel, right? It's like, let's kind of have the conversation and see where my partner stands on this. Because I, I, my wife and I value solo travel as well. I think it's really cool that you guys have sketched this out where it's, uh, it's almost like a set thing, right? Like I know you're planning a trip uh, on your own here pretty recently or i think you're leaving on a trip pretty soon by yourself is that i haven't planned it yet but yeah. september is my goal date so i'm just okay. kind of narrowing down the list of destinations yeah but i mean instead of just kind of like throwing that out one day like oh by the way i'm gonna be you know taking off for a month it's kind of nice to have the, the upfront conversation <laughs> yes and especially as a female i know you know if you're a female who does like to solo travel you're partner may not be into that for you. They may be worried about your safety. So you may have to do some kind of warming up um, and kind of just showing them how awesome and safe it really is um, before they accept that fully. Yeah. Has that been something? You not for have... us. No, yeah. he's like, so he'll like send me in the middle of like the South side of Chicago with no worries, you know, <laughs> he doesn't have, his brain doesn't work that way, but, um, and hopefully it's cause he trusts me too. Yeah. So. Well, I know for, for you, it was pretty new, the whole balancing the work from an overseas kind of travel perspective. I wanted to hear more about that experience. We are going to get into these five remote work finance tips obviously our expert tips. I mean, you have a master's in accounting and you've been doing this uh, for a while. Like I mentioned at the top, you worked for one of the big four accounting firms. I won't say which one. I mean, it starts with a D, ends in Eloit. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> you may have heard of it, hair flip. <laughs> uh, so, I mean, you have all this corporate experience and now you have, uh, well, you have the, the education, the corporate experience, and uh, now you're doing it running your own company. So I'm really excited to to hear these uh, tips and to share them with everybody. But, you know, for a lot of people, I think this remote work thing is fairly new, right? It was like new during the pandemic. And now it's a whole different ballgame if you're taking it out of your house into a foreign country, right? Maybe you're dealing with like time zone changes and uh, with clients and trying to balance like the work thing with enjoying yourself and, 
you know, hashtag first world problems. We all get that. But I, I just wanted to hear what it was like for you to kind of take your show on the road to Europe for the first time and balance all that. Because it's, it's so fresh. Yeah. Well, so... And maybe some advice here for, for anybody that's kind of doing looking to do this. Yeah. Thing. That's a really good question. So taking my show on the road, quote unquote, was hard because I think that at first we moved a little bit too quickly. So about a week in each place. And I realized right off the bat that that was fast for trying to balance work and travel. And I really think the sweet spot is probably about a month. Um, And since then, I've done some shorter week-long stints where I have worked, but I've really strategically planned my work to where I'm only working about, you know, four hours, two days a week. So I have the benefit of doing that, which is not something that everyone's going to have. But if you do have to hold down a traditional nine to five schedule or a 40 hour work week, I definitely recommend staying somewhere for at least a month. I know you probably have itchy feet and that feels really constrictive, but I promise once you get there, you'll be so happy you did. And then if you do have those itchy feet, kind of like me, base yourself somewhere where you can do a lot of weekend trips. Europe is a great example. You can be based somewhere in Spain and take the train every weekend to somewhere different um, for day trips or for a quick one night. So try to get those one night stays in. Obviously, make sure you have good Wi-Fi. Um, We were in Costa Rica for our most recent international trip for three weeks and did this program called Selena Co-Live. So it's through this brand of boutique hostels called Selena. And they have essentially you pay one fixed amount. It includes your, um, your stay in either a dorm room or a dedicated room with a bathroom. Um, It includes access to co-working spaces, and you can hop around three times during a month. So I definitely recommend looking into that. It's not in every country, but they're really prevalent in Latin America, um, which is great because a lot of those places aren't necessarily known for having really speedy Wi-Fi. So if you're nervous, consider something like that um, to kind of dip your feet in. Yeah, we can leave a link to that in the show notes. Thanks for sharing that. I know you you really enjoyed that experience and you're looking at maybe doing doing that again. But I think, yeah, the overarching idea of just if it if it feels uncomfortable just to kind of like dive in and do it on your own, there are things out there like this that can give you a framework within to work. So maybe it's not as overwhelming. We'll be back in a moment. This episode is brought to you by US Bank. Recently I went out for tacos and it wasn't even Friday. Yes, we have Taco Friday in Norway, not Taco Tuesday. Well, more importantly, I could have earned rewards for every scrumptious bite of those chorizo soft shells. Introducing the U.S. Bank Altitude Go Visa Signature Card. Earn four times points when you go out for dining or order takeout and restaurant delivery, including tacos. Plus, you can earn two times points when you shop for or order your groceries, two times points when you need to fill up or charge up at gas stations and EV charging stations. You're even rewarded with two times points just for your favorite streaming services. Go to usbank.com slash altitude. Go! To learn more about how you can earn 20,000 bonus points worth $200 if you spend $1,000 in the first 90 days of opening your account. Win big with the U.S. Bank Altitude Go Visa Signature Card. Visit usbank.com slash altitude go to apply. 
Limited time offer. The creditor and issuer of this card is U.S. Bank National Association, pursuant to a license from Visa USA, Inc. Some restrictions may apply. This episode of Zero to Travel is presented by the 2024 Nissan Pathfinder. From muddy jungle paths and snowy trails to rolling sand dunes, the 2024 Nissan Pathfinder has the capability to take you to some of the most epic destinations on Earth. We're excited to partner with Nissan because our listeners know we love to celebrate the joy of exploring the world and finding the best off-the-beaten-path destinations to visit. And there's no better vehicle for that than the 2024 Nissan Pathfinder. With seven drive modes, the Pathfinder's available intelligent 4x4 is built for even the most epic journeys, and it even has the best towing capacity in its class, up to 6,000 pounds, so you can bring the fun with you. But Nissan also knows that it's not just about where you go. In a Pathfinder, the real fun comes from getting there, and that's something we love celebrating here on the Zero to Travel podcast. We believe that life is about finding that joy within the journey itself, and that's why We're thrilled to partner with Nissan to celebrate adventurers everywhere. So thanks again to Nissan for sponsoring this episode of Zero to Travel and for the reminder to chase bigger, better, more exciting adventures and enjoy the ride along the way. Learn more at NissanUSA.com. Now let's get back to the show. Did you find that you were more creative with your work being out of the country Oh my gosh, Jason. Yes. Like whenever I feel stuck in a rut, I'm instantly like, I need to book a trip because it sparks a lot of creativity for me and just new ideas. I can't even necessarily explain it. And it's not creativity always in the traditional sense, but it's new, you know, new thoughts for building business processes that look a little bit different or, um, you know, it runs the gamut, but it's, it's a real source of creativity for me. Me too. I mean, I think everybody listening to this uh, probably resonates with that and just like that feeling of newness that comes with travel and then that that gets your mind going in a different way. I, I don't know, it's just a thing about breaking the routines, but how much of that is like the sort of the place and the change of scenery versus, there's no set formula, of course, but versus just us like maybe just giving ourselves the mental space because we're on a trip and like, There's a little bit of that too. Yes. And I think allowing ourselves to be in the present moment because travel really just throws me into the now. And and my personality is very forward looking and future oriented. And it just feels so good to have that mental freedom of like, hey, just be in the now, just live day to day. And that is just like great. And, And that does spark creativity, I think, because, you know, your brain's allowed to roam when you're not constantly thinking about what am I going to do next week or what's my schedule look like in two weeks? Yeah. So a lot of freedom in that. I think it's cool to have an awareness of that part of your personality, right? Like you're like, okay, I know I'm future forward thinking, I guess. So what can I do to kind of counterbalance that? I can be the same way. And I think it's, what do you do? Do you have like a some kind of daily practice to help keep you in the moment? Like, yeah, I, I definitely what's do. Your jam? I've, I've recently gotten into yoga and meditation, which has okay. helped a lot. But before that, um, 
you know, I, I, I found that, you know, rather than kind of trying to numb my brain with things like Netflix, which obviously when I'm watching Netflix or, you know, binging on TV, I'm kind of in the present moment, but I'm numb. Instead, choosing something like reading or journaling where I'm focused on one specific activity in the present moment, but my brain's kind of working and I'm, I'm aware. Um, so trying to choose healthy hobbies like that instead of some of the things I default to, which is like get in bed and watch Netflix. I don't know if anyone else resonates with that, but oh, no, <laughs> that, was, that was a hobby for me for a while. So, <laughs> Oh yeah, nobody here does that. No, I never do that. No, no I'm always, you know creating things and no. <laughs> yeah. And of course there's a time and a place, like no shame to that game, but just trying to be mindful about how I spend my free time and being outside. And I'm just, I'm, I'm a walker. I love to walk. I'm addicted to just going on like short little walks and putting my earbuds in and listening to a podcast or some music. And I find that that actually sparks a lot of creativity for me because it's something physical I'm doing and some movement, which is also making my brain move. I think I'm on the fifth season of Seinfeld right now. So it's, you know, hard to, oh, man. Hard to not keep working through those. I love to walk too. I went out for a walk yesterday and was it two days ago? Like I did like a walk run thing for like an hour and a half in the woods near my house. I just got like flooded with ideas. It was crazy. And I'm just like, I need to do this more often. So I just got back from the World Domination Summit at the time of this recording, which is a big conference held in Portland, Oregon by Chris Gillibo. I Have you, you've probably heard us talk about it yeah. before. Yep. I'm mentioning this because one of the speakers there is great. Is this guy, Colin O'Brady. And his whole thing is he's trying to get everybody to just spend one day to take a 12 hour walk with nothing, but like, you know, no, no music, no like entertainment you know, I think you can like stop and eat and stuff like you don't have to be like, you know, it's not like a fitness thing. It's more of like a, Hey, everybody can do this and just go out and take this 12 hour walk and see how it may change your life. I'm going to do it. My wife's going to do it. If, uh, if you want to do it, I'd love to hear about your experience. I'm totally down for the challenge. Yes. That sounds like that sounds like a challenge, but I just, I can't even imagine the growth that could come of that. I've listened to, do you know Rolf Potts? He yeah. wrote the book Vagabonding. So he has a podcast and he did a similar exercise. Like he just left his house in Kansas and just started walking and like the stories and adventures and people he encountered and some of the conversations he was having, I think he was with his wife, um, were life-changing from such an ordinary event of just like stepping out in Kansas in the middle of America and just walking and seeing where it takes you. Yeah. I love that. I love that. I've always loved that idea of just starting an adventure just from your front door. I mean, I've talked to people on the podcast that have biked around the world, you know, and they literally started from their front door. And I find that so fascinating, that moment when they come. It's like, imagine how would that feel when you come back to your front door like five years it later. It gives me chills like thinking about yeah. it. <laughs> My buddy Tom, he's been doing this thing called The World Walk and we've had him on the podcast twice. And, you know, I have to complete the trilogy because he just finished walking around the world with his dog, Savannah. And he walked back to his front door. So I can't wait to get him back on and, and ask about that. Talk about a journey, like in the most metaphoric sense of a journey. Yeah. 
I mean, it is a good reminder that just adventure is literally right out your front door if you kind of approach it in that way, right? Let's talk about your burnout. This is something else that maybe some people listening can relate to, this this idea of kind of just getting burned out on what you were doing and completely changing your life, which is no small thing. I mean, we can just like, we can, uh, you know, summarize that in a snappy sentence like I just did, but we all know that there's a lot more emotion and nuance involved in a decision like that, especially it's, I would imagine just putting myself in your shoes and you can correct me if I'm wrong. You know, you get a master's in accounting you, you come out of college with this, like you, you studied, you've learned, like now you're working for one of the top four accounting firms in the world. Isn't, wasn't that like the whole, in a way, like that was kind of what you're working towards the whole time. Yeah. I mean, I just want to hear your experience, like getting there and then how you felt and what that whole period of your life was like. Yeah. Well, as soon as I graduated, I mean, as soon as I got into college, really, I knew I wanted to work for one of these big four firms and become a partner. And that was like what I was going to do, period. Mm -hmm. Okay. And so it was really upsetting when I started to look up at the partners and realize, crap, I don't want their lives. That looks miserable. That paired with 80-hour work weeks, paired with just this weird culture of, you know, work hard, who can stay the latest at the office, who cannot sleep tonight. Um, It really led to a feeling of burnout. And frankly, I still get burnout on a pretty regular basis. Um, I still struggle with those feelings. I think that was my first instance of burnout. And so my gut reaction was like, I just need to blow my life up and change everything. And in hindsight, it worked out great because it got me hooked into this life of travel and being a business owner and and building grading accounting um, my business. But um, now when I face burnout, I can't really just do that. I can't burn everything to the ground. Um, And I don't want to, frankly. So some of the things I do now when I'm feeling burnt out are just like, make room for what fills up my cup. And for me, I know I need adventure in my daily life. I need to do something to get me out of the rut. So it can be as simple as like one week last summer on a Wednesday, I went to the zoo by myself and just looked at animals for a whole day. And it was so fun. (laughs) Or, you know, just went on a hike in the Smoky Mountains. Something very simple can kind of kickstart the process of pulling myself out of that feeling of burnout. Of course, talking to a therapist helps a ton. Um, But just kind of knowing what fills up your cup and prioritizing that over work. Like you may have to just take some time off of work completely or do the bare minimum for a while. And for a high achiever, that feels really awful and you feel icky about yourself. But you've got to give yourself that so you can go back into, you know, what you were meant to do and the role you were were performing at. When you started realizing the yuck factor, I guess we'll call it like looking up at the partners and being like, yuck, ew, I don't want that. Um, how, how long was the process? Were were you like struggling with it for a while or did you just completely blow everything up like the next week? (laughs) So I struggled with it for a little bit, but ultimately like day five of my job, I looked at the partners and I was like, no, I don't want this. I'm good. But then how long were you there? 
Uh, Three years. Right. So it was it was a mix of kind of like societal expectations. Like I wanted to get my promotion because I heard that if I got stayed long enough to get that promotion, I'd have an awesome resume and could get any job I wanted. So I kind of fell victim to that. But ultimately, yeah. But ultimately, a year and a half in, what I did was I, I, you know, planned this international trip. I started kind of getting putting roots down um, or kind of picking my roots up, actually, to to hit the road for an extended period of time and saving money. And so, about a year and a half in, my focus shifted to like I, you know, I need to stay to get this promotion. To like I need to stay long enough for me to save this money to do this international trip. So, um, so yeah, I left in 2018 and I had $30,000 saved, um, to travel. And that was supposed to last me until I figured out what was next. Um, and luckily enough, I was able to kind of get some remote work freelance gigs and then parlay those into starting my business. Wow. Okay. I want to get into the travel part of that because I want to hear where you went and what you did, but, um, it's interesting yeah, I mean, splitting those three years and a half. So the first year and a half sounds like more sort of reactive mode, kind of like figuring out how you can get this promotion, but also knowing the end game of this whole corporate life wasn't for you, but just still kind of pulling through it. And then the second half being proactive towards your travel dreams, which was probably... I mean, did that make it a lot easier to kind of go to work every day because you were working? Yes. You know, and I remember like, even though it's the same job and the same responsibilities and everything, it's a total flip. Total flip. Like it made it so easy and often enjoyable because I knew, you know, every day I take a walk around the parking lot, put in my headphones, listen to zero to travel and just like kind of just daydream and zone out and you know, it, it made it, it changed the game for me. And I still, you know, still, I knew, um, there were going to be days that sucked, but ultimately having that end date, just setting that and marking on the calendar, like changed the game. Mm. When we get into the tips, I know when the first one might be about saving, you know? Yes. Uh, so just, just to tease that out, we're going to get into those a second. All right. More than a second. I was exaggerating a little bit. <laughs> so that, that, $30,000, was that like a goal that you set? And then when you reached it, you you quit? Or was it just, hey, this is just what I happen to have right now. I'm done. Exactly. What I happen to have. I had an end date first and I thought, uh, if I get to roughly this amount, I'll be happy. And I was able to exceed that amount a bit. And I was like, okay, I'm good. Yeah. I'm done. But you still have to walk away and say, you know, there is something tough about cutting off that weekly paycheck. <laughs> Absolutely. There is no drug more addictive than the biweekly paycheck. Period. <laughs> and you Sorry to say folks. <laughs> I mean, you had you had a house and everything, right? Or did you did you have a or what, No, what I was a renter at the time, so that made it much easier. Um and I I was only in Boston for about 3 years. So we'd accumulated some stuff but not anything crazy. So I feel for those people that are, you know, trying to sell a house and unwind, you know, 50 years of accumulation. Um but all that to say, it is so doable. Um it's a grind and often it sucks. But once you have that end goal in mind and you have that vision for what your life is going to be on the other side, it's like, that's your motivation. And so it makes it a lot easier. So then what did, what did you do? 
What did y'all do? I'll use some Tennessee lingo. What did y'all do? Our, I think our, so what did we do to get to that point? Or no, what, what did, did you we do, do travel when wise? We took off. Oh, so <laughs> when we took off, um, so about seven months on the road, the first whole month was in Colombia. Um, the second whole month was probably my favorite month of the trip. And we just posted up in Mexico City for the whole month, took a intensive Spanish course. We met a few friends and like just kind of try to live like locals. And that was a blast, especially being in Mexico City, which is so close to America, so close to the U.S. where I'm from, but it's a world away. And it, it frankly has always, you know, gotten kind of a bad rap. And so I had a lot of preconceived um, feelings of what it would be like, and it blew my mind. I loved it so much. Still one of my top three favorite cities. Um, so from there, we hopped over to Eastern Europe and did a lot of those smaller countries that not a lot of people visit, but they totally should. Um, some highlights were Albania, which I know is kind of getting a lot of love recently. Um, definitely worth it. Bosnia and Herzegovina. Gorgeous country, awesome people, really interesting recent history with their their war in the 90s. Um, so those were two really great countries that we went to. And then Hungary, our, one of our favorite cities in the world is Budapest. It is a fabulous city. Um, I, I definitely dream of, you know, spending much more time there. It's, it's super livable. So great home base for any digital nomads. So yeah. Um, so then after the seven months, we essentially um, kind of started to, our bank balances got a little bit lower than we were comfortable with. Um, we still had some money left, but we decided, you know, let's figure out where our next home base is going to be and continue to keep our cost of living extremely low so we can continue to travel. And that's where Knoxville came into play. Um, it's where both of us went to college and it's a super affordable, low cost of living city. Still? Um, still. Yeah. I mean, it's increasing. Of course we're, we're feeling the inflation, but still really affordable, um, really strategically located. We're within a day's drive from 70% of the U S population. So a lot of good road trips here. Nice. What a cool itinerary. That was unexpected. You know, I, I don't know, like Colombia, back to Mexico City for like the local experience and then over to Eastern Europe. What a cool Yeah, <laughs> We just, you know, there is no rhyme or reason. We were just like kind of going with what we felt like doing. So it was fun. I miss the freedom. Um, although I do love having a home base and I know a lot of people can resonate with that, that were maybe formerly nomadic and did decide to get a home base. Um how nice it is to have a little bit more stability, but how important it is when you do have a home base to keep your cost of living low so you can still foster travel in your life. I think a lot of people, when they, you know, they live in one place, get kind of that keeping up with the Joneses mentality. And this kind of brings us into a lot of the financial things that I wanted to share with you guys. Yeah. Let's, uh, let's get into those. I, I had one more question. Uh, when you came back, was that when you decided to start your business or... So I actually worked for what one, this actually is a piece of advice I'd like to share, but I kind of stalked a couple of companies that were similar to the company I think I may have wanted to start. Um, so 
you know, one of them I kept reaching out to and they hired me on. So I worked for them for about two years. Um, They're a fully remote accounting firm. And so I, you know, I learned a ton from them and kind of parlayed that into gradient accounting. So definitely trying to get some sort of apprenticeship at a company that you look up to and you can kind of, you know, use as a model for whatever future business you start is a really, really good strategy. Yeah, I love that. Uh, Especially when you're coming back from months on the road, maybe years in some people's cases. It, you know, if you want to build the next thing, but you're not sure where to start, I like that idea of just kind of, all right, well, here's like the soft land, landing. Let me, you know, get a gig, learn on somebody else's dime, like make money, and then just utilize those skills for my own thing. Of course, sounds like you had a pretty good vision for what you were going to start, which is half the battle, I guess. Yes. <laughs> kind of knowing what you want to do. Actually, let me ask about that before we get into the finance tips. You know, you worked for the big one of the big four. You weren't necessarily happy with that. I guess you could have started any business. Why did you decide to do what you're doing now? I think ultimately I realized that I didn't hate the field. I didn't hate accounting. Um, I thought I did at one point when work was brutal and grueling, but when I took a step back and some time to think about it, I realized I really liked accounting and finances, but I wanted to do it in a way that I could help people more directly. Um, I wasn't doing just big public company audits and putting more money in the, you know, the pocket, the deep pockets of all the investors. I wanted to help small business owners. So, um, so that kind of, and and also, you know, it's easier to make money using skills you already have than trying to develop new skills. Um, so that was what inspired me to to start a remote cloud based accounting firm um, to help small businesses and and people that really. Um, you can make a, a big impact by doing something that I think is, you know, rather small. It's a small use of the skills I have, but a big impact in their financial life. And that's super cool and empowering. That is an important distinction to think about if you're listening to this. And, you know, you're in a place with your work maybe where you're not super thrilled. It's like, hey, let's not throw out the career baby with the bathwater type of thing, right? Like right. it could be that you hate what you're doing or it could just be that it's the environment. And if you actually just, you actually like some of the things you're, a lot of the things you're doing. And if it was just set up in a different way, either with a different company or you set it up in, in your own way, like you have where, you know, it sounds to me like, and I, I, I know this about you, you know, there's a lot of you can say, all right, well, you do accounting and bookkeeping or whatever. But like for you, there's a lot of why behind it. There's a lot of purpose in like serving others and helping others uh, and also for your own lifestyle, right? So you can travel and do the things you want to do. So that's, uh, I think, the best place to be. I think whatever you choose as kind of your business or um, whatever you hang your shingle up as doesn't have to be your forever thing. Um, A lot of people, you know, they strive to work towards financial independence where they save more money to where they can essentially retire early and have even more time freedom. So if something that you're good at and you somewhat like to do is kind of low hanging fruit, maybe consider pursuing that for now to kind of get in a financial spot to then make even more decisions in the future and have more optionality. What do you think about the financial 
independence, retire early movement, the fire movement? I really resonate with it. I like it. And, and I am striving for that in my personal life. Um, and essentially the fire movement is, um, financial independence, retire early. So what a lot of people and purists of the fire movement do is they find the most high income cushy jobs they can find, even if they suck and they just grind it out for, you know, five to 10 years and hoard all their cash and live on a dime and then retire. And there's some things that I don't agree with in that philosophy. Um, I don't think you should just keep the cushiest, highest paying job ever if you hate it. Um, I think that um, that's one way I differ from the FIRE movement. And I also don't necessarily agree with the fact that a lot of the FIRE movement emphasizes just lowering expenses at all costs and being super frugal and super cheap. Um, Because I think there's benefit to spending money on things that we really value, like travel. Um, I don't want us to get in the habit of trying to skimp every penny and missing out on experiences today. Um, But there's a balance to to find there because you can also use that whole philosophy of, I don't want to miss out as a crutch to spend as much money as you want. So I'm not telling you that, but. I totally agree with all those points. I mean, think about if you were living that version of fire that you just described, I mean, you wouldn't have gone to spend that seven months in Colombia and Mexico. Like, imagine not oh, having yeah. that as a part of your life. I would be ripped you know? to pieces by the fire community for that. <laughs> <laughs> but if I didn't have that as a part of my life, I mean, that's some of my fondest memories and my most formative time and confidence building. And there's yeah. all these intrinsic benefits to to that. Exactly. I don't think that's there's enough weight or emphasis put on that because a lot of those are maybe intangible. They're not as measurable as a bottom line, right? But you're only in your 20s once. You're only in your 30s once. Like, you know. Absolutely. It's, this is it, man. You know, this is we it, man. We could all die tomorrow, <laughs> realistically. And obviously, like I said, don't use that as as an excuse to do whatever the heck you want. But but do the things that are important to you. You've got these five tips. We'll, we'll get into it. Let's Let's get into it with uh, your your first one here, Remote Work Finance 101. Uh, is it fair to say a lot of this is, is some of this mindset stuff in many ways? Yeah, a lot of this is going to be mindset. And this really applies to all remote workers. Um, if you love travel and you think you're going to build that into your lifestyle, um, this applies to you, whether you're a freelancer or a traditional employee with a W-2 paycheck. So, um, So, yeah. Or aspiring to be one. Yep, exactly. Do you want to share the first one? Yeah. So my first tip is to continue to work towards financial goals. So let's say you're a remote worker and you take off and decide to do some international travel. Um, Just because your lifestyle may look different day to day, continuing to set and chase financial goals is very important. Living paycheck to paycheck, or for some of us, freelance gig to freelance gig, should not be a permanent thing. And if you have trouble setting financial goals, may I suggest just continue to try to save money, period. Um, If you don't know what else to do, just save. I promise it's worth it because, like I said earlier, saving money and having financial independence is what will buy you more time freedom in the future. Yeah. So is a real world example of this for you, 
I guess if you're part of, or if you've adopted the fire philosophy, you probably, you guys probably have a number you're shooting for to retire, let's say in savings. So, but even though you are traveling to Spain and maybe taking a solo trip to Portugal and Tom's doing his thing or whatever, your husband, you guys are still while you're on the road trying to put away for this. Is that kind of the, exactly we have set up, you know, retirement account contributions automatically every month and well, whether we're on the road or at home, we're still meeting that. We're still contributing. We're not pausing everything to travel because future Kristen and Tom won't be happy we did that. Um, so we always try to think of them too. All right. Can you share the second one here? The second one is to maintain an emergency fund of three to six months of expenses. Having savings to fall back on in case of emergencies is very important. And really, most Americans don't even have $400 to cover an emergency, which is kind of heartbreaking. Um, But don't let that be you. Um, Even if you have the best travel insurance and you're on the road and something happens, there are still anticipated expenses that can come up. Having an emergency fund also kind of allows you optionality in your life. Um, If you're in a situation that you don't like, you can change it and have six months of living expenses that you can kind of use until you figure out what's next. Um, I also have a quote that I wanted to share with you guys from The Psychology of Money, which is an awesome book. Jason, I know you you like that one too. Um, So the quote is, More than I want big returns, I want to be financially unbreakable. And if I'm unbreakable, I actually think I'll get the biggest returns because I'll be able to stick around long enough for compounding to work wonders. So that mindset of being financially unbreakable is really important. I know we get a lot of shiny object syndrome when we hear about cryptocurrency and all of the the people that are investing in real estate and, you know, X, Y, Z, but make, you know, building yourself that safety net is what's going to allow you in the future to then do other things with your money. Yeah. Love that. So when you say three to six months of expenses, are you saying that that should be in cash in a bank account in cash, not invested somewhere? Exactly, Jason. It should be in a bank account where you know that money won't lose value. I recommend a high yield savings account, which you can set those up for free. I use one called Marcus by Goldman Sachs. There's a ton of good options out there, but normally those will yield more interest than your typical, you know, Bank of America savings account will. Are there still, do they still have those? I didn't even know that <laughs> they had yeah, any. Yeah, I mean, they're really low right now because interest rates are still trending lower. So you may only get about 1% yield right now. But um, in the long term, if interest rates continue to increase, what you're getting in those high yield accounts will increase. 1% is better than no percent, I guess. Exactly. (laughs) But, you know, trying to offset inflation, I guess that isn't an easy thing nowadays. I mean, yeah, I guess so the balance of saving versus investing what is your advice around around that are are you just saying that i know everybody's situation is different but i'm just trying to understand a bit more about your philosophy if you're saying 6 months of expenses uh your emergency fund that's all you should have in cash and everything else should be invested somewhere or 
It definitely depends on your appetite for risk, really. Um, so what I would say is three months is okay if you, as long as you reach three months of your monthly expenses in your emergency fund, what I would say is go ahead and if your employer offers like a 401k match, go ahead and start investing in that way by taking advantage of that match and then hold off on doing anything else until you have six months. And then once you reach six months, you can then start investing more heavily with your extra cash. Um, but some of us may say six months just doesn't seem like a, enough, especially as business owners. We may want to have a little bit more of a, a runway or a safety net, um, especially if we have employees and are paying payroll and that type of thing. So the answer is it varies, but try to get to that six month number. I know it's difficult, but that that can be your end goal. Yeah, cool. All right. Number three. Number three is always spend money in line with your core values. Um, your financial mindset, whatever that is, will come with you on the road during your travels. So whatever financial mistakes and missteps that you make at home, you'll probably make those on the road. Um, so first and foremost, make sure to understand what your core values are and prioritize spending on those things. Um, so, for example, my core values personally are friends and family, adventure slash travel, and security. So I prioritize spending my money on, you know, experiences with friends and family, travel adventures, and also um, making the security one kind of manifest in like making sure I'm always insured and I have good insurance and prioritizing things like that to make me feel stable. Um, so pick three core values for yourself as an exercise and figure out, um, make sure, you know, when you are spending your disposable income, you're spending on those things and not on things you don't care about. Um, so, and one other quote from the psychology of money is the hardest financial skill is getting the goalpost to stop moving. So the term lifestyle creep, essentially, as you earn more, you're going to be tempted to spend more. So the hardest skill is to keep your cost of living low um, as you continue to earn and, and get promoted and all of that good stuff. I love those core values. I'm just going to steal yours if that's okay. I just love that you can actually rattle them off. Like, I think that's really nice. I mean, that's really good self-knowledge to have, right? So anybody listening say, you can just put all of your financial decisions right through that lens, right? Yes. I think yours yes. are yours are perfect. I, I actually agree with those 100% for myself, for my own situation. Probably, I'd say in that order, too. Yes, <laughs> so, love it, Jason. That's why we get along so well. We're yeah. kindred spirits. Yeah, and it's different for everyone. Some people may lean a little bit more materialistic and may may like really nice things. And that's okay too. If that's one of your core values, so be it. There's no shame in whatever your values are um, because spending money on those things will bring you a lot of fulfillment and, and enjoyment. Yeah. Let's take a brief pause. We'll be right back. Would you love to have an incredible cup of coffee every day? I've tried it all. I've done the pour over. I've done the French press, but I tasted an AeroPress coffee many years ago and immediately 
I was sold. I had to get one. AeroPress is a patented three-in-one brew technology. This combines the flavor benefits of espresso, pour-over, and French press all into one compact portable device built for travel or home. I love things you can use in both places. This device has over 55,000 five-star reviews in over 60 countries. AeroPress is the best-reviewed coffee press on the planet. I've owned one for so many years. I don't even remember how long it's been. And they are under 50 bucks. So they also make an exceptional gift. Thoughtful, proven, tasty, and travel-oriented. Who wouldn't love that? Now, you get 20% off just for being a listener of this show at aeropress.com slash zero to travel. That's aeropress, A-E-R-O-P-R-E-S-S dot com slash zero to travel. That will save you 20% on checkout. Thanks to Aeropress for supporting today's show. Hey, it's Jason here. Did you know you are invited to join the first ever Zero to Travel community trip? Yes, we're planning a trip together. We're headed to Morocco November 30th through December 9th. And you can get all the details at zerototravel.com slash trip. It's open for booking now. We have 13 spots left at the time of this recording. And you have until the end of March to book. So if you're interested in traveling with an amazing community, this community, a small group of people on an incredible journey through Morocco together with me. Sign up over there at zerototravel.com slash trip to get all the details. Thanks for listening and hope to see you there. Let's get back to the show. I read a book. What was it called? It was T. Harv Ecker. What's this famous book that he wrote that's about a money mindset? Anyway, hmm. I think I before I one. came across, uh, I'll look it up, but before I came across some of the money mindset stuff early on, I didn't think about how I think about money, if that makes sense. It just wasn't something that I thought about. I didn't consider any of the messaging I got growing up and how that might impact me in terms of my personal financial situation and how I spent money and operated in the world with money. And it took books like The Psychology of Money and, and just like kind of exploring this for myself to understand oh, wow, like how you think about money is really freaking important. <laughs> it is. Well, you know, it's money. You make it like, you know, how much do you need to think about it in different ways? It's huge. It's everything in, in a lot of ways. Yeah, yeah. And often your money mindset is it's formed when you're a child or an adolescence, which is so crazy. So how your parents dealt with money often will form how you deal with money. And if your parents, for example, were spenders and you as a child saw them spend away all of their savings and spend your college fund, you're probably going to be a hardcore saver with a scarcity mindset. So there's a lot of interesting psychology behind that. But it's important to understand what your money mindset is because money at the end of the day is a tool. It's not a God. It's not anything you need to hold sacred, but it's something you need to use wisely and reasonably. And to understand your your own money mindset is one way to kind of use, start using that tool a little bit more efficiently. The book, by the way, was called Secrets of the Millionaire Mind, Mastering the Inner Game. Of oh, I haven't read that one yet. Yeah, that was the first one I read back in the day that kind of opened my eyes to some of these ideas we're talking about here. One more question I had on this point, and then we'll move on to number four. Do you have a decision-making process you go through when you're considering 
let's say you guys want to go on an African safari or something, and you're just trying to decide if it's, is it just like, oh, our second core value is travel and adventure, so we're not even going to think about it. We're doing this, and that's it. I guess I'm trying to get some advice for somebody listening that's trying to balance this idea of like having experiences and adventures, uh, but also not going broke. <laughs> yeah. Well, one really good tactical way to deal with it is to have a separate savings account. We call ours goals. You can call it travel, call it what it, core values, whatever you want. But essentially put in a certain amount to that account each month. And so at any point in time, you kind of know what your balance is in your goals account or travel account. And when opportunities present themselves like a safari, you can look at the balance in your account and think, okay, I have the funds for it. Is it something I want to do? And then if the answer is yes, you can kind of leap without fear and with knowing that none of your other financial goals will be jeopardized because you've specifically been setting money aside for these types of opportunities and purposes. Do you have different bank accounts like that? That you Yes. Move? So in the um, the Marcus High Yield account, we have several different um, free bank accounts, savings accounts underneath it. So emergency fund is one and then goals fund is another. And I try to keep it a little bit minimalistic and simplistic with my personal finances, but you can have really as many accounts as you want. Um, so yeah. Well, that's something... I really want to do. <laughs> I do always it. think about it. I and then I forget about it. And then I talk to somebody smart like you. And then I'm like, oh yeah, I should do that. And then I forget about it again. I mean, because because you can just open free accounts and kind of it's just something. It just adds like a psychological layer. I feel you know because right now having like everything in one account, it just kind of everything goes in and out. And it's like, well, if you're just if you just kind of get it out of the way, I don't know. It feels better because it feels more protected. Yes, exactly. And it feels like you're more empowered to make those decisions instead of thinking like, what am I sacrificing? You're not sacrificing anything. You've been planning for this type of thing. You know, you have the money set aside. Yeah. And maybe you can have more fun with it because you're like, well, this is, that's what it's there for, for me to go buy exactly. handbags or whatever the or travel in this case, you know, whatever the thing is that that is part of your core value set. All right, we got two more. Number four. Number four, as a remote worker, you will likely have to continue to file taxes in your home country. Boo! Yeah, so Jason, <laughs> you're well-versed in this for sure. Um, but even if you're traveling internationally, you will likely have to file taxes in your home country, especially if you're a U.S. citizen. Unless you renounce your citizenship, you're always going to have to file a tax return to the IRS, unfortunately. Um, there are, of course, if you're abroad for long periods of time or if you become an expat, you can take advantage of benefits like the foreign earned income exclusion, which essentially allows you to um, not pay taxes on um, wages up to like $110,000. So there's things you can do um, to kind of make sure you're not paying tons of taxes to the U.S. if you're not getting benefit from living in the U.S., but just know that's the case um, and plan for that. Yeah, that's the thing that always drives me crazy in theory. You know, the tax money is supposed to go to, you know, all of these things to keep 
supporting the country, but if you're not living there and not using any of those resources, then why should you have to pay? And me talking about this isn't going to change anything, but I just needed to vent for a second. (laughs) It's true though. Yeah. It's unfortunate. Um, And I mean, you hear more and more every day about people renouncing their U.S. citizenship, um, which is a drastic measure. And it seems kind of crazy from the outset, but realistically, the administrative burden is so heavy um, that it could be worth it if you really just don't have any more ties to the U.S. Yeah, I even think about it for my kids when they're, you know, I don't know, you could tell me, I guess when they're 18, they'll have to start filing or maybe it's younger, start filing taxes in the U.S. because they're dual citizens, even though they've never lived there in their whole lives. Yeah, yeah, because you have to report your worldwide income on your U.S. tax return. So when you start earning income, you got to start filing taxes. Obviously, there is like a threshold to that. If you earn under a certain amount, you don't have to file, but that threshold's pretty darn low. So that's a bummer. Um, I don't think it'll change, unfortunately, but... Who knows? Yeah. Who knows? That'll be some years, but okay. And number five here. So as a remote worker, gray area is everywhere. The tax code of any state, any country was not created for travelers or nomads, period. Um, There will be times when you have to make a judgment call sometimes, and that's okay. Um, Things aren't going to be super straightforward. And one thing that I've been thinking about a lot recently, I've seen it on like Reddit and some other, you know, kind of groups I'm in. And the question comes up, like, I'm a remote worker. I want to go abroad. Is it okay if I just don't tell my employer? And again, that's gray area for sure. (laughs) What I would say is tell your employer, don't hide it from them. You don't want to have to kind of keep up a web of lies. So tell them. But just make it a point to kind of give them a solution to say, I'm going to be traveling internationally. My domicile, my home is still going to be at XYZ address in the U.S. That's where I want my taxes withheld and paid into. And I'll figure out the other stuff on my my own end, on the personal end. So that's all you guys have to worry about. And so that makes it a little bit easier for them to say yes, because, you know, often HR departments of companies just like they say no because they don't know what to do. They don't know. So so if you kind of give them a solution with your ask, it makes it easier for them. Um, and if they still say, sorry, no, not OK, you can probably then say, OK, I do still want to pursue this. Is it OK if you um, change me from a traditional employee status to an independent contractor status? And that way you don't have to worry about anything when it comes to my taxes. And hopefully they say yes to that. And if not, that's a bummer and maybe time to start looking for another job. Yeah. But if you go to independent contractor status, then you might be losing, say, your health insurance with the company or something like that. Exactly, Jason. So definitely you've got to weigh the the cost benefit to being an independent contractor because as an independent contractor, you're essentially treated by the government as a business owner. So there's a few more taxes you're responsible for. And again, like Jason said, no health insurance benefits. Yeah. But then you could also write other things off and then you're kind of in business for yourself. And that's a whole other question. (laughs) Yeah. There's a lot of freedom that comes with that too. So, you know, may not be such a bad thing. 
what are the pros and cons, would you say, of having your own business versus working for somebody else? Well, I would say the biggest one is autonomy. It's so nice to be able to choose when you work and where you work and how you work. And if even as an independent contractor, your employer is not allowed to mandate those things for you legally. So having that freedom is super duper nice. Um, Another benefit is what you alluded to, Jason, like you kind of control your own finances in that you can choose what you deduct and write off on your taxes. You can choose what types of retirement plans you're contributing to. You're not just defaulted into the company 401k. Um, you just have more optionality there. So that's the other big benefit. Yeah. Um, love it. Five awesome tips. Thank you for bringing Thank those. Thank you. It was great. I wanted to ask you a couple more questions about travel. Is there something that you've been dreaming about doing or going, or a place you've been go- wanting to go for a long time, but you haven't yet? Yes. Egypt is like huge bucket list for me. And I haven't yet because I know it'll be quite the adventure. They don't have, you know, they're not known for having the best infrastructure in the world. And, um, you know, as a solo female, there's just some additional consideration. So one day. Okay. In like a sentence or two, what, what do you wish for future Kristen? I hope that future Kristen lives even more in the present moment and helps other people build financial peace and enjoy lives full of travel and adventure themselves. See why I love this girl. She's a wonderful <laughs> human being. Thank you so much for coming on. Why don't you let everybody know where they can find you and all the good stuff? Cause I'm sure after this, you're going to get like, probably a flood of messages. Help me find financial peace, please. (laughs) (laughs) Well, thank you so much, Jason. Um, You guys can find me at travelingcpachick.com, which is our brand. Chick is in there. Which is is our our brand for um, newbie freelancers and business owners in years one and two of their journeys. Um, and if you go to travelingcpatrick.com forward slash zero to travel, you can get a freebie, which is our travel as a tax write-off cheat sheet and a 15 minute webinar. So definitely worth pursuing. Um, and then, yeah, I mean, that you nailed it there. Travel as a tax write-off. I know. Right. I mean, I'm, I'm opting in right now. <laughs> like discounted travel. Um, so that's the best way to connect or on Instagram at traveling CPA chick. And then gradientaccounting.com is our done for you business services um, for, for bigger, more established businesses. Awesome. And we'll obviously include all those links in the show notes in case you're driving or something, trying to frantically write this down. Don't crash. You're going to have it all there to check out and grab that cheat sheet. That sounds like an awesome one. Thank you so much for your time. We've got a financial expert here. So, uh, you know, there's always going to be more financial questions coming up. So I'm not going to say that this is our only podcast recording ever. We're going to have to like have you back on to like help us through the next financial crisis or what the next. I would love to come back on. That would be my pleasure. Good to hear. 
thank you. I was hoping it was a decent enough experience that you'd come back on. And you know, like the the landscape of remote work, location independence, everything that's happening right now so fast and how much the world's changed. It's just it's just constantly shifting. So, I think it is really good to kind of be aware of these things for yourself, to educate yourself, to to try to stay on top of it as much as you can. I'm listening to shows like this particular episode and and just kind of like being aware, taking a couple actions here and there over time, I think leads to big things. Do you have any resources, you know, outside of the the ones you share and shared in the you know, the cheat sheet, uh, which I encourage everybody to grab and they can get on your list and everything. But as far as like books or other things yeah. to stay on top of the stuff, what do you... Yes. So um, brought up the psychology of money a couple times. That is a great resource by Morgan Housel. Check that out. Um, Profit First by Mike Michalowicz. If you have a business or hoping to have a business, that book gives you a really awesome, simple methodology to follow, kind of like the old school envelope budgeting method, but for your business's cash flow. And then Quit Like a Millionaire by Christy Shen. That is a really great resource about the FIRE movement and you know what that entails and how you can start implementing it in your life. Awesome. Thank you so much and look forward to catching up with you when you get back over to Europe. Looking forward to it too, Jason. Thank you. Take care. There you have it. Thanks once again to Kristen for coming by and dropping some financial knowledge on us, some critical stuff there and so many takeaways for me. I hope you enjoyed it as well. She is an awesome individual. I can't recommend her enough. So check her stuff out. All of the links are in the show notes. Now, before I let you go, a couple promises I need to fulfill here. I am going to get to this shout out to my off-the-grid listener here in the community in a moment. First, I do want to talk about self-care. And (laughs) I went on a little bit of a rant to myself the other day about self-care. And what I was thinking was, it takes so long. <laughs> like, I, I did yoga, and then I did just a seven-minute workout, not anything crazy. I did one of those YouTube seven-minute workouts. This guy, Chris Harrier, that I follow, he has these intense seven-minute workouts. I do yoga with Adrian. And then I wanted to go for a walk, so... I went for a walk around the lake near my house, which isn't big. It, it only takes about 20 minutes from my front door to walk around and come back. And then I had to eat, and then it was noon. And I was like, why does self-care <laughs> take almost the entire day? Okay, it's an exaggeration. It's not the entire day, but I'm somebody who has flexibility. I'm working from home. I have the actual time and flexibility to do this. I don't even have to be at a job at a certain time. I can only imagine how hard it is to squeeze it in for other people. I mean, see my wife. She goes to work in the morning. She comes back late in the day. Here I am doing all this self-care in the morning, feeling guilty. But, you know, then I got to thinking as as this guilt was coming in and this idea of, well, who has, like, I don't have time for self-care. Who has time for self-care? And then I thought, well... You know, what is a day if we aren't taking care of ourselves, at least for a little bit? And self-care may take a long time, but if we're not doing it, where does that leave us? 
it, it means that you are literally spending your whole day taking care of everyone but yourself. And to an extent, you kind of get the idea there, right? If you're not making time for some self-care or some things that you enjoy for yourself, then that means you're dedicating the whole day to everyone else, which of course is important. I ha- you have to give to your family and, and, and in my case, kids. Not everybody has kids, but you have your own situations, right? But we need some time for ourselves too. And it's a good recipe, I think, for success to think about self-care not as eating up too much of your time because knowing that if you deny yourself the care you need, that means you're prioritizing everything and everyone else for the entire day, for the entire time and neglecting your own body, your own mind, your own spirit, all three of which you need to be healthy, to do the creative work you want to do, to have the breakthrough insights you want to do at work or with your businesses, to be healthy enough to do all the other things that you want to do in life. And in order to do that, you need to take care of yourself. So it is in fact not a waste of time to sit down and write or think or do the things that you need to do, work out and all that. It is actually essential to your well-being and success. So that is a mini rant here, which I do tend to go on sometimes. I apologize if that was too ranty, but it was just a friendly reminder, kind of a, a reframing I needed to go through myself to realize hey, man, take it easy. Yes, this takes time, but it's not wasting time. It's actually essential to your work and your life and your ability to parent and your ability to come up with ideas and all of the things that we need to do as humans each day. So anyway, just a friendly public service reminder, public service announcement, I guess, a PSA, to the Zero to Travel listening community to take care of yourselves. Take good care of yourselves. And that maybe that'll be the challenge today. I'll, I'll leave you with that. You can just be sure to do one thing for yourself today. Do it guilt-free. Do it with that knowledge that it is important and it's adding value. And I just wanted to share that with you. So thanks for listening. All right, quick shout out to Bonita. I want to thank her for joining Premium Passport. Of course, you can check that out, zerototravel.com slash premium. She uh, is supporting the show in that way. And she dropped me an email and said, thanks to you, I am finishing up a two-month journey to Europe doing a few house sits along the way. Currently at an off-the-grid finca in Spain with dog, cat, and chickens. Wish I could send you a few dozen eggs. Others were in Virginia, Lake Luzerne, Switzerland, and remote Cos Castle, France, between times in Athens, Crete, Barcelona, and she mentioned a couple other places. So I just wanted to give her a shout out over there on the finca in Spain with the dog and the cat and the chickens and all that. House sitting, another interesting way to see the world. And she left me with a quote that I found thoughtful, insightful, mysterious in some ways. And I wanted to share that with you to wrap up this show. So here it is. Quote, how will you go about finding that thing, the nature of which is totally unknown to you? How will you go about finding that thing, the nature of which is totally unknown to you? There you have it. Thanks again for being a part of this community, for listening, and I'll see you next week. Peace and love to you and yours. 
This podcast has been brought to you by zerototravel.com. Ideas and advice to make your travel dreams a reality.